Welcome to the We Are SC podcast. This is Eric McKinney, joined by Greg Katz. Greg, we are previewing the USC spring game, uh, and, and it is taking place on the ninth practice of the spring, uh, still two weeks to go after that. And USC came out and, and said pretty clearly, this is a spring game, full contact, four quarters, and, and they're going to go at it, which is not something we've seen. That, that's a lot of kind of different look than what we've seen. Throwing that all at you, your take, on, and go ahead and, and hit both those sort of concepts uh, when you first kind of heard about this and, and processed how USC is going to approach this spring game. Well, when I first heard the term spring game, uh, I was like, yeah, right. Uh, we know the history of Clay Helton in such uh, – endeavors it's usually a uh, you know 70 80 play uh, scrimmage uh you know situational mastery i think is what he would call it um so i was kind of like oh yeah okay fine and then uh they came out with uh, the release and it said uh four quarters of 12 minute quarters uh we don't know whether it's running time or it's not running time uh and there would be a cardinal team and a gold team and then i saw just as recently as uh, yesterday a uh, email that is calling it the, a game you know and so why are they doing this uh i think there's several factors if you want to take television as a factor maybe that's the time slot that was best for usc clay helton says they're in they're doing it in the mid because they can get film on this and they'll have more time to teach it to the newcomers uh, and teach quote off the film. So that made sense to me. Uh, what we don't know uh, at this time when this podcast is recorded is whether the Cardinal team is going to be the offense and the gold team is going to be the defense. Uh, you know, that that's something we, we don't know. Uh, personally, if it was up to me, since they're not really playing a game, the question is, Is are they looking at individuals? Or are they looking at units in this? What do they want to see? Uh, I would say you could do it one or two ways. I mean, if you really want to get your team fired up uh, and, and you could you could name captains and say that one, one group is, uh, you know, going to uh, draft first and then just draft players, but maybe that might step on some people's toes once you get into, uh, you know, maybe the 30th pick. So it's, you know, they might just say first offense versus second defense and, you know, switch it around. Uh, but we're going to find out sooner or later. I, I don't I don't know whether this is a Clay Helton idea. I'm a little skeptical about that. Uh, I think the defensive coaches have a big, big input into what's going on. And I might add, I totally agree with what they're pushing, if they're, if they're pushing it. Um, you know, the idea that uh, they want it to be game-like. Well, we always hear it's going to be like game-like. But I think they want to sit there and play physical. I think they are getting more physical, at least defensively. And I think that, uh, you know, they're saying that it's, things are more competitive if it's a game-like scrimmage. So from that standpoint, this is out of character for Clay Helton. I, I, I'll, I'll argue with that with anybody. But I think it's a good out of character if if they're if they're switching this, um, 
you know, they're probably going to get more people involved to watch it. Uh, they're probably going to get more people on TV to watch it. I know that coaches are always paranoid about what gets taped off the uh, TV set. I'm, I don't think the coaches around the Pac-12, unless it's a timing thing, are going to sit around the campfire and watch the scrimmage. And we really don't know from, from TV standpoint just how much in the two-hour block are they going to stay uh, dedicated to watching what's on the field. We'll see. But it's certainly, and I think you would probably agree with this, it's different. Uh, it's kind of like a return to the future. I remember during the days of John McKay and uh, John Robinson, this was not, this is how they did it. And um, I think fans will like it if, it, if it if it's done in a way that you can kind of feel like it's a game. And I'll leave it at that. I, I think the thing that stands out to me is the that they're pushing so much kind of you know, full contact, full tackle, that sort of thing. And, and I'm honestly just relieved that sort of fans are going to be able to get a look, whether it's, you know, 5,000 people in, in the stadium or however many people, uh, you know, get Pac-12 Network to, to be able to watch it. Uh, it. It's been one of those things where I'm, you know, the practices that we can go to watching it, the level of, you know, physical play and tackling and that sort of stuff that that's not something that we've seen. And, and so finally, there's so much of a, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it thing. I'm relieved a little bit that, okay, you know, I, I think that Saturday will carry through what we've seen so far this spring. And it looks different. It looks different than the past. I mean, you know, obviously different than last spring, but, you know, going back, years before that it's it's not what has been put out there and, and some of it i think is the roster size right now the roster size this spring is gigantic i mean it looks like an inflated fall roster and you're still going to get you know freshmen and and potentially any more transfers coming over to bulk that thing up even more but you have depth at a lot of places that you don't always have depth at in spring when, you know, you lose guys to the draft and graduation and, and you don't have this many early enrollee guys. So you have bodies at a lot of different places. So when guys have gone down, it's not, okay, now we've got, you know, we're, we're down to walk-ons uh, only at that spot. And so that has helped them push kind of the, the pace in terms of being physical and, and tackling, but you know, you, you said it, and it's been kind of the constant since they've shown up, but the defensive staff is, we need, we need to get after it. We need to find out who we have. And I do think that this is what the spring would have looked like last year uh, under them. If, if they had been able to do it, they just, these are guys that they, they, they walk the walk, you know, that after they talk to that, when they, when they talk about being physical and we don't really know anything about guys until we see them, full go that this is going to be, you know, getting some fans there and kind of that atmosphere and, and being able to do a little bit of that. I think that's a big boost. And you mentioned sort of the timing. I think that's a big boost at this time of spring where you're not kind of winding down and, and getting ready for your summer. You're still kind of full throat, full go uh, right now as you're doing this. And so I think this gives them kind of a, a big kick and, I'm excited to, to kind of see them out there and for other people to, to see what we've seen, because it is, it is absolutely 
gone up to where you you'd hope to see that sort of that sort of play um, during the spring where when the coaches are talking about we want to build culture we want to big build culture and and that's who we want to be we don't care about you know we're not, we're not trying to win games in the spring we're trying to kind of develop a, a program that's what I think in terms of kind of the biggest talking point I guess overall that I feel like might come out of Saturday that's that's it for me people coming away with um that's a team that, that's playing hard and and doing what it takes I think to be a not just a good team but but a good program you know certainly what we've seen before well I, I think that you hit on something that that I, I was just thinking about you know one of the things that's a real challenge and I, I'm certainly uh Obviously, I think that's pretty well for the record. I'm not a big air raid fan, but if they could win the Pac-12 with an air raid, I'm all for it. I'll sit up there and, you know, wave a card on gold pom-pom. But, you know, the defense is so inspired to play physical. The problem is, how do you get the defense ready during the regular season to play against teams like Notre Dame or even Stanford that, that will rush the football and will be physical up front? The only teams the team that USC goes against defensively is their own team. And I don't care what anybody tells me until I see it with my own eyes. The air raid offense, as we currently see it, is a team that cannot run the ball. They've proven it the last two years. And there's they don't blow anybody off the line of scrimmage. And that doesn't really prepare your defense for what they're going to see in 2021. So from my perspective... If the spring game allows the offense to to really fire up and you know really try to rush the ball, uh, e even if they're not being successful at it, uh, that's good for the defense just from a physicality standpoint. Now you can conversely say, well, what good is it if they can't offensively can't rush the football? Well, first of all, I don't know whether anybody's going to be overly shocked by them not being able to rush the football. And I think there's reasons why, but you know, the defense has created a culture of physicality and violence, you know, see ball, get ball, you know, be the hunter. And I think the offense, and I've said this for the last two or three years, they have to have the same go after it attitude that some of the big time teams, uh, or maybe it's better. I say some of the former national championship teams, that SC's had where they are the the uh, hammer and not the nail. Is that what you're looking for on Saturday? It, talking just sort of big picture uh, when when you kind of tune in and focus on what's going on, your, I guess, what, what you anticipate kind of your biggest takeaway being is the you know what what did the running game look like or or is there something else kind of that general item that that's the the overarching theme i guess for you for for the spring game well that, that's really a good question um my feeling is i want to see physicality on both sides of the ball i want to see how much more physical the defense is and i want to see uh a lot of I, first of all i don't expect to be blown out of my 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 couch watching the offensive line I don't think I'm going to be surprised by anything that I see. Okay. I don't think that different blocking nuances is going to make a difference. I think weight room over a period of time 
could make a difference by the time September rolls around. It's to some level. So I want to see an offense that really brings it. Now, I happen to think that uh, Keontae Ingram is the type of running back that brings it. He's a physical running back, and he can get outside. He can break tackles, and he needs, and he might be able to do it, fire up an offensive line. I want to see the offensive line drive people backwards. I want to see the offensive line uh, finish blocks, which I don't think they've always done. Uh, and, and that's what I want to see. I want to see overall physicality. But I'll tell you more than anything else, I think what, what it would be great is maybe uh, Coach Helton will tell us, what is his definition of physicality? What is his definition? Is it going to be, well, we're conditioned? Uh, we're, we're physically stronger? Just what is it? And that should translate onto the field. And I think obviously, and I think you'd be the first one to be able to attest to it. They're, they're uh, more physical, but look, the game's on national television uh, through the PAC 12 networks. Those players know it. They've got families that can't come to the game. Uh, and it's nice to call it a game and uh, they're going to want to perform. So everyone should be up for it, which means more intensity, more physicality. Here's what I'll say about, Clay, in terms of when you ask kind of what is physicality, what what is physical practice? He's still, you know, he's out there. He's overseeing the practices. He's he's the head coach. He could say, hey, we're, you know, let, let's do this. Let's not do that. And from starting out, you know, the, the first day in pads kind of with the Oklahoma drill and they did some of that. Uh, and he, you know, he's right in there. And, and that's something that clearly he wanted to do. I was sort of let down on Tuesday you know, they, they don't come out and they, you know, they haven't run that, that Oklahoma start for a little bit, but boy, that end of practice on Tuesday, when they've got, you know, goal line going on and it's not even, you know, it's not, it's not even a full play. It's three blockers uh, right there up on the goal line, three defensive players, right. Lined up one, you know, one-on-one-on-one. On one on one. Uh, and then you've got the, the free hitter behind the defensive uh, front and then the running back with the ball and it's just you know you you talk about can an offense get a defense ready for Stanford or for Notre Dame or that kind of thing this isn't you know it's not exactly that but this is another thing that kind of instills that mentality where it's just on go it's full chaos right three three sets of helmets slamming into each other and then the the running back and the free hitter kind of meeting in the hole and that's something that clearly has been important this spring. Yes, go ahead and ask the follow-up questions of why hasn't that been important, you know, every spring and, and fall over the last X number of years. That, you know, that that's to kind of be answered later, I guess. But uh, this spring, that has been consistent. Finding some way, let's let these guys really get after it, really push each other physically uh, and and mentally too, with it being everything set up to be a competition, and that's something that Clay Hilton talks about with Robert Steiner, the new strength and, strength and conditioning coach, where every single thing they ever did over the winter conditioning sessions had that kind of competitive bent to it, and and you can see that between the offense and and defense during the spring here. And so I will say, I mean, you know, kind of credit where credits due. 
they've gone out of their way to find different ways to really let guys kind of light each other up uh, in, in terms of just hitting and, and colliding this spring. And I, I'm kind of curious on Saturday if they do, if, you know, if they break out a little bit of that before or, or halftime or after or whatever it is, uh, you know, you, you kind of are okay if they don't, if they're really going, you know, full contact, full tackle, because we've seen spring showcases kind of get the dial turned way down, you know, over, over the second half of them uh, in the past. But I'd be interested to see if they come out and kind of try to set tone and, and tempo with a little bit of that, because they have done, I will say, they have done a good job uh, at sort of keeping that up and, and finding different ways to get guys engaged uh, in, in that way so far this spring? Well, you know, you I think you hit, hit on some good points. Uh, let me uh, emphasize something based on uh, what you just said. I don't think there is a USC fan who knows football, who isn't gonna look at the short yardage or goal line situation, and they're gonna ask one question. Is the quarterback going to take a snap from under center? And that is a real, real uh, prickly point for a lot of people, especially when you watch Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Clemson. They all do that in short yardage situations. And we know that Graham Harrell has said his own words, that's not what we do. So, you know, maybe that's what they won't do. But I will be intrigued. I know I will be looking to see if they are willing to take the ball under center. Now they've got to do something, right? You you can't well, just line up like you did last year. Yeah, I mean, what is the definition of insanity? Repeating what's not working, right? So my feeling is is what are they going to be afraid of if that's what they're going to do? That someone will see that on television. Hey, they're taking the ball under center, so we'll prepare for it. Well, you know something. It would if they're going to do it. They're going to do it and people are going to find out, you know, one way or the other. And uh, it will be interesting because if they do take the ball from under center, uh, you know, it's going to be seen. I know the media is not supposed to say what they see, the formations and stuff like that. Well, but, if it's uh, on TV, I mean, if, if something goes on TV and, and is broadcast, then, then that's out. But I, I mean, to your point, it's, you know, do you go under center? Do you bring in uh, two backs? Do you do like find find something because it it didn't get better as the season went along. Maybe Keontae Ingram is is that guy, and and he has the ability to to pick that up. But whether it's Clay McGuire kind of finding different blocking schemes or or whatever it is, hand you know a slow developing run play where you hand the ball to the running back who's not moving when he gets the ball that's not getting you a lot of third and twos third and threes on the ground and we saw we saw that last year and that might might be with even a decent offensive line and there's nothing to indicate at the moment that this is above average offensive line yeah. And so that kind of gets into when you're talking about kind of focusing on the offensive line, I, I wanted to ask kind of the, the position unit that you're most looking forward to, but I feel like that's answered and, and it hits right with mine because mine might make your offensive line struggle a little bit. The, the spot that I have really enjoyed watching this spring has been the defensive line. And, and I'm going to put, 
you know, I know Drake Jackson and uh, and Hunter Eccles listed as outside linebackers. They're defensive. They're on the defensive line for me when, when I talk about that group. And it has been that, that there has been a lot of improvement from a lot of the young guys up front. And th- this is not a situation where the offensive line can kind of ease into things and, and get their feet wet and figure stuff out. They're getting attacked uh, by this defensive line. And, and Drake Jackson is, you know, got the late start in spring. Uh, he has come on like crazy. Hunter Eccles, actually, it's kind of tough to watch Drake Jackson show up and Hunter get kind of shuffled back to the second group because he was playing well enough and, and is still playing well enough, even with Drake back, where that, you know, They'll be on the field, I, I'd assume, at the same time quite a bit. Hunter, Hunter has had a really good spring. And then Tuli Tuipolotu, uh, he's gone to another level this spring. There's there's always, you know, that handful of guys that that show up in spring and start playing. And it's like, okay, so something happened to him over the offseason. I mean, you, we saw how well he played as a true freshman. Uh, he's He's got another level coming, I think, this year and, and maybe even more for, for the rest of his USC career. Uh, and then you've got some guys, Jay Tawaya, the true freshman, once pads went on, he, uh, he looks like a veteran out there. I mean, he is a, one of those like thick fire hydrant kind of defensive, you know, nose tackles there right in the middle of the line. Uh, he is physical. He is nasty. He absolutely kind of fills holes there in the middle. And Jamar Sakona is a guy who's kind of taking a step forward, even a guy like Dejon Benton is, is playing well. That's a defensive front where Vic Soto and, and Todd Orlando kind of talked about. They like those defensive linemen that can give them a lot of different options and, and play in a bunch of different spots. Even with Brandon Peely banged up, uh, Ishmael Sopcher has you know not been out there this spring. Nick Figueroa has not been out there this spring. So that, there's guys that, that can come back and help that group even more. But boy, I, I've been pretty impressed with that defensive line. Yeah, they're, you know, they're going against a USC offensive line that's, you know, not in the discussion as, you know, the best group in the Pac-12 or, or best group in the country. But watching the defensive line, I think kind of judging it against itself, you know, every every practice, it feels like they're playing better and better and better. Uh, I think that's a group that has a chance to impress some people on Saturday. Well, you might be surprised, but I totally agree with you. Uh People I'm never say, surprised by that. I, I know you aren't, but uh, <laughs> I just have to take uh, an insurance policy out sure. of it. Uh, I, uh, you know, I've seen enough of the offensive line. Okay, I saw them last year, and it's last year's offensive line without Elijah Vera Tucker. So did, did I? Would I expect miracles just because they have a new coach? Uh, no, uh, because the last coach is probably can say I sent two two of my linemen to the NFL in the first round. So I don't look at that way, but what I am intrigued about, as you mentioned, and, and with specific in names is the defensive line. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not totally sold on some players that are returning. So I am looking at some of the younger players and I want to see that intensity uh, that I see uh, you know, a guy like Tuli Tuli Pelotu is going to be infectious along that defensive line because he's setting a standard for the others. Okay. And I think that uh, Todd Orlando and Vixa Oto, they, uh, I, I, 
I think they get it. Let's put it that way. And I think that uh, Soto in particular, since he's the defensive line coach, he wants production. He's always talking and saying the word production. He wants the hunted, you know, and, and I, I think that the defensive line could be the key to the season uh, that if they can stop a running attack and they're uh, tough on a pass rush, they could really be the identity of this team. Uh, you know, I, I hate to you know show gray hairs here, but you know, in 1969, the Trojans had the original wild bunch and I have never seen a defensive line control a game no matter who they played in the Rose Bowl. I mean, they were just absolutely, you couldn't rush the ball. They would just knock your head off on a pass rush. And the SC offense in 69 was what they call the cardiac kids. They were winning games, you know, last second, last minute field goals, uh, you know, last second field goals. So I know it can be done. I believe it can be done even in the year 2021. So that defensive line that we're going to look at on Saturday, I think fans should really pay attention to some of the players that are in there. They may not end up being starters, but being in the mix. And I think that's really something that's intriguing to me. Yeah, it's starting to feel like a group maybe where you can, you know, rotate guys in and, and keep guys fresh. And last year, it felt like once they found, you know, the, the Tui Pelotus and, and Nick Figueroa there, it was like, okay, you, you guys got to take us all the way to the finish line there. And so more guys, I think, being able to contribute again, I, you know, I'm not going to put them up there as, Hey, these guys are, are going to, you know, take over the PAC 12 or anything like that, but definitely, you know, signs of, like you said, may, maybe this kind of is a group that can set the tone for you defensively. Uh, from that wanted to transition and get into the topic of, uh, again, things for, fans to maybe look forward to on, on Saturday, your returning player, if, if there's one guy, you know, on the team last year, coming back this year, a, a veteran or, or a guy who's been on the team, uh, that guy that, that you're looking for either to, you know, uh, impress people or just that you want to see how they perform. Well, it's kind of a redundancy for me. Uh, it's going to be Tuli, Tuli Pelotu. I want to see just how dominant he is now with a year under his belt, whether he just totally shuts off that side of the line, uh, you know, the, the different gaps that he's in, you know, he's in charge of. Uh, and I think his, his ability to, you know, almost take away one side of the offensive line, which, you know, maybe is not that difficult to do considering who, who he's going against, but by everybody's account, everybody's account, he's upped his game. He's a terror. The players say it when you talk to him. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where he's a guy that I want to see just uh, how he how he goes. And I think he has a motor that it doesn't make any difference whether it's practice or it's a game. He is just basically, you know, 100% motor running at all times. A fun kid to watch. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to... My returning players, I, I'm going to take two um, because, you know, I, I can't help but cheat on these things. Um, the one is kind of for, for the fans, and, and I'll say Keaton Slovis, kind of how he plays. Um, like you talked about with Thule, can, can he kind of, you know, dominate his area? I think the expectation for Keaton, you know, once people can see, okay, the ball's coming out okay, you know, because uh, for, for a lot of people it'll be, 
you know, maybe the first time they get a chance to, to see him throw live. Uh, but, you know, what is he doing with this offense? Is he really kind of controlling it and, and able to march it up and down the field? Because the defense this spring, certainly when, when it's been kind of full contact and, and full tackle, the defense has, has been ahead of the offense. It, it's been sort of, you know, more, more big plays on the defensive side than on the offensive side. But can Keaton kind of put it together and, and get some marches going and, and get the offense going? Because if they get you know, shut down uh, against the defense on Saturday, that that'll create, I think, some talking points. So how he plays, I think, will be uh, a theme that comes out of spring. But the the guy that I kind of want to shine a light on defensively is uh, Isaiah Polamau. It's been an interesting kind of spring where, where you've got a returning captain on that side of the ball and when Talanoa Hufanga is not there anymore, you figure, okay, well, Isaiah Polamau is, you know, he's in his spot. He's got to be kind of the leader. Uh, when Max Williams goes down at that like nickel safety spot and Greg Johnson is already out for, for the spring, it's, it's Polamau that they shift into that spot and then bring Xavier Alford, the, the Texas transfer, onto the field there and pull him out spot. And I, I think that that is a really has been a really good fit for pull him out. It brings him kind of closer to the line of scrimmage. It lets him use his ability uh, on the blitz and gets him into the, the running game a little bit more. That has felt to me like, like one of those things that kind of clicks in there. And, and again, this is not, you know, the coaches have not specifically said, Oh yeah, that's worked out really well. And, and he's been great, but it's, it feels like, he's really taken to that spot. And I, I think the whole thing moving him there because the coaches clearly really like what they have in Xavier Alford. They wouldn't have gone out and, you know, and, and brought him in there if they didn't think that they had something. Uh, and then Chase Williams has played really well too. So now you've got this situation where when Greg Johnson does come back, you know, in the summer, when it, whenever he's healed up and, and ready to go, uh, do, do you kick pull him out back and and that whole thing again that that's kind of a discussion for down the road but i feel like he might have a couple plays in him on saturday at that spot uh that that open eyes a little bit because i know he's had you know he's he's had a, a kind of an up and down career at at usc i think he's kind of played better as it's gone along it feels like this you know that move might help him take another step forward that that's kind of again er, early that you know he's not been there for a, a long time at this point but uh early returns for me have been positive with him there well i think that with uh palomao if you stick him into uh the position that uh talanoa ufango was at he's also mentally uh gonna feel a greater sense of responsibility he's playing the position of the 2020 pac 12 defensive player of the year and he's going to feel that he has to fill those shoes or at least be as good as he can be. So I think it, when, if, when he does fill in that spot, uh, you know, it might up his game. It might be exactly what you're looking for with him. Uh, so that'll be something to watch. I think even in the spring game, uh, if he, you know, gets his opportunities, which I'm sure he will in that position, uh, you know, you might say, wow, he has really uh, improved in some ways. Now, will he make mistakes maybe in a different position? Possibly, but that's what spring ball is all about. 
is the idea that you can make a mistake, but it's not the fall. So if you're going to make them, make them in the spring and learn from it. How about a, a newcomer for you to, to watch on Saturday? I mean, some, you know, sometimes we get a, a spring game where there's like two early enrollees here. It feels like, it feels like half the roster are, is, is new guys. <laughs> there, there are, there are a ton of them out there. Well, I think I'm a glutton for punishment by nature, but <laughs> I'm going to tell you that the two people that I want to see, believe it or not, are running backs. I want to see Keontae Ingram and, and Brandon Campbell. You got a transfer and a true freshman. And I'm not expecting that they're going to go through holes made for Anthony Davis or Reggie Bush or Lindell White. But even if the offensive line is unable to make a push or make holes any wider than, than a, the head of a pin, uh, they seem to be the type of running backs that maybe are best suited for this type of uh, situation. Now, that's not to say that Stephen Carr and that, uh, you know, Favai uh, Malapai aren't suited for it. But when you ask the question about newcomers, I want to see both these guys run. And even if they hit a wall, I want to see if they can move the wall a yard or two or bounce off and break to the outside. I want to, I want to see what I saw on the Texas film with, uh, with Ingram. And I want to see some of the, what I saw on the film of uh, Campbell when he was in high school. And by all accounts, they're both being able to do the, that sort of thing. Do I expect they're going to break a 50-yard touchdown run? No, not really. But that's not really why I'm watching them. I want to see what they do when, when there's no hole and uh, whether they can move a pile, especially down on the goal line. What I've been impressed by those two guys specifically is, uh, go, I mean, uh, Ingram's size. I mean, he, you know, he's listed at 220. Sure. Uh, you know, absolutely. Uh, he, he checks in it at that size and he, he brings it. He is, he is a difficult guy to tackle. Um, he's very kind of fluid in his movements at the same time as being really aggressive in him too. So he can kind of he creates these angles where he can then kind of throw himself at, at defenders. And he's always sort of falling forward, getting extra yards. He's the guy who, you know, going up the sideline is absolutely going to throw his shoulder pads into a, a safety who's coming over instead of just going out of bounds. And, and that's been fun to watch for him. Brandon Campbell, what has really impressed me about him is his vision. He can find, he can find holes just about anywhere. And like, like you said, that that's not a bad quality to have. Uh, at this point in in this offense. And so he has been impressive. His size impressed me too. Again, listed at 5'11", 195. Uh, he looks like all of that. And for a true freshman running back, that's, I mean, that that's a good look at, at this point. Like he, he looks like he's going to be able, you know, to take on the, the season and, and be able to play right away. A lot of times with those true freshman running backs, it's like, well, you know, he's going to need a year or two before he can really get in there and throw his weight around. But Campbell looks, Campbell looks ready to go. Uh, and so those are two, those are two good ones. I'm, I'm going to pick two also. Um, I'm going to go at wide receiver. Uh, and, and, you know, coming into the season or, you know, coming into spring ball, I, I would have said Katie Nixon, right, as the Colorado transfer guy with a ton of experience, and there's kind of a, a ready-made spot. But, boy, Michael Jackson III, uh, 
again, wide receiver from, from Las Vegas coming over and rolling early. He has been impressive. It's, it's his consistency that that's really stuck out there. I mean, it was during the recruiting process, you heard a lot, you know, from, from him, Hey, the coaches compare me to, to Amon Ross St. Brown and that sort of thing. And, and Amon Ra, I remember when he was going through his pro day, got compared to USC's Steve Smith a little bit. I, I can see some Steve Smith in, in Michael Jackson also. It's just one of those kind of just just a veteran sort of technician somehow already at, at wide receiver. And, you know, competitive is all get out. He is given as, as much as he gets uh, at this point during spring. And so I think he's a guy – Again, do I think he's going to have like a, a major, you know, 60, 70 yard catch season coming up in the fall? Probably not. If, you know, you're getting Brew McCoy back on the field and if Kyle Ford gets out there, you still have Drake London. You know, there, there are a lot of guys that can play, but boy, this kid has shown that he absolutely fits in with this group and, and is really fun to watch. And then the other one I'm going to pick again, cheating going by two and cheating again, big time here. The, the three safeties, we talked about Xavier Alford kind of fitting in and, and running with the ones right now, but those three high school early enrollee safeties, I, I, there's so much to like about those guys. The way they play, Kalen uh, Bullock has, had a couple interceptions on Tuesday and just this like absolute thief out there at, at free safety. He can go get any ball and feels like he can go get any ball uh, and, and make the interceptions. Marion Gordon is again, a, another really physically impressive early enrollee here and, and a big hitter. And then Anthony Beavers too. I think those guys with how much emphasis USC puts on that safety position in this defensive scheme, they need really good safeties and they need a lot of them. And those three have been really impressive. I, I, I'd go ahead and say that, that someone from that group is making kind of an, an ooh play on Saturday. Will not be surprised uh, at all if it comes from that group. Because again, it's it's a good group and it's a group that they're they're running with the twos right now. You know, a lot of them kind of rotating in and out because there's not um, not a ton of depth right right there now in, in terms of veterans coming back with guys going out and, and shifting around a little bit. So again, th- those are my those are kind of my newcomers to watch, but. Really, you, you could have listed any of them, right? We didn't we didn't hit on the quarterbacks. Well, I think the quarterbacks, you know, uh, I mean, we, I think everybody that we have mentioned is worthy of being mentioned. But when you really get down to it, uh, you know, Miller Moss and, you know, Jackson Dart, uh, especially Dart being the uh, Max Prep National Player of the Year, given the past injury history of uh, Keith and Slovis, you know, those two guys uh, are probably as important in newcomers as there is, you know, just because they're not going to start the season doesn't mean they're not going to see playing time in the season. And it doesn't mean they're not going to see playing time when it really counts. So I can honestly tell you that I will be just as interested in watching Dart and watching uh, Miller Moss. And you know what, it'll be interesting no matter who they throw against, but if they do throw against the front line defense, uh, it'll make it extra, should we say, extra scrutiny because you've got to say to yourself, you know, Matt Fink isn't going to be there to help him out there and, uh, you know, next season. And these are the guys you're going to look at. You know, maybe Mo Hassan is going to sneak through the back door here 
because Helton has said good things about him. Uh, you know, he likes, uh, you know, his accuracy, some of the things he does, but for the, for the bright future, I don't think you can get too, uh, you can't get overly excited uh, and say, I shouldn't be this excited about watching the new quarterbacks because in the end, you know, they could be, have as much to do with the success of this team as anybody if unfortunate circumstances happen to Keaton Slovis. Well, certainly the thought would be they, they'd have a ton of impact on the 2022 season. And, and that, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're watching the next Keaton Slovis or, or the next Sam Darnold, that, that's not a bad thing to, to take in on Saturday. This could be, you know, the, the start of potentially a very successful, you know, USC career for, for one or both of these guys. Highly possible, highly possible. The problem that we're all going to have with uh, the quarterback position in general is they're not going to get sacked. Right. They know they're not going to get sacked. Everybody's going to be looking at them as, you know, the sacred, the sacred lamb. Uh, And what you don't know uh, is what happens. Uh, I I don't like the term, but I'll use the term because they use it when the live bullets are flying. Okay. What's going to happen to either one of these kids you know, you go long enough, it's like saying, okay, we're not going to put you in the ring with a heavyweight champion. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. And the only time you're ever going to do it is when we put you in the ring. And that's, you know, that's a, a tough place to, to start with. And I understand why they don't want to tackle the quarterback. I, I get that. But, you know, that's just another side reminder that when things really start to find out what a player's made of, uh, you know, with the newcomers, they're thrown right into the fire. They're beat up. You know, some of them are 18 years old and they're being attacked by a 21 year old man, 22 year old man, but the quarterbacks, they're not, they're not experiencing real college hitting yet. They're seeing it around them and they know that guys are going to come close. The only guy that really knows it is, is Keaton Slovis and probably Mo Hassan from his days at Vanderbilt. So we really don't know what the reaction is going to be of, you know, either one of these young quarterbacks, if they get into a game when it's meaningful. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, those are, those are great points, right? It's, it's great if, uh, you know, you, you extend the play and extend the play and extend the play when, when you can't get tackled or, you know, when you take off and run and a, and a defensive end has to give up on you and, and that sort of stuff, those kind of plays look great here, but, but maybe they don't translate, you know, once you get going. So absolutely. I, I mean, the, the freshmen are going to be, the, the freshman quarterbacks, you know, they'll get talked about quite a bit coming out of this, but, but I want you let, let's give kind of your, I guess, player of the game pick, right. The, the guy who makes kind of the biggest play or, or, or creates the most chatter maybe um, among fans coming out of this game. Well, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Uh, you know, obviously you would think that Drake Jackson could, you know, put on a show uh you could think that people want to see Keaton Slovis and see how his arm is but it's possible to me because the expectations for the offensive line are so low uh that no matter you can't get away from the legacy of USC running backs you know especially the physical ones like Ricky Bell or you know uh, people that Lindale White and something just I don't know why I feel this way there's something about Keontae Ingram that tells me that based on the physicality of the way he plays, 
people are going to be gravitating to him to say, this guy's a stud. And, you know, people respect that. Not that they don't respect, I mean, Drake, uh, you know, is going to be, uh, Drake London is going to be, to me, an All-American, or why do you even have the award if he plays like uh, like he did last year? And and you say, well, wait a minute, shouldn't he be playing like even better this year? Well, of course. But you know what? There's a pecking order on All-America teams sometimes, and he's had to wait his turn. So, you know, I, I think Keaton Slovis, we don't know how he's going to, how he's going to be during the regular season, but I've already seen Keaton Slovis. So I would say the one person I think I will be impressed with is going to be Keontae Ingram. Case closed. I, I like that pick. He, he has been, he's been fun to watch. He's been fun to watch. I hope that he does get like, you know, some run and, and able to get out in the open a, a little bit to kind of show off everything he can do. I, I think that, uh, you know, Vivai and, and Stephen Carr and, and those guys, the returners, they've been solid, you know, but I do think there is that, that aspect of, but what could be right with, with the new guys and, and let's, let's go ahead and take, you know, a long look at that and, and give everybody a shot out there. And that's going to be a, a tough decision. I think ultimately to, to figure out kind of where to go uh, at, at running back, unless like you say, <laughs> if Keontae Ingram comes out, and just blows the roof off, then, you know, hands are tied a little bit. I, I'm going to stay on offense. I, I wanted to go kind of defense to go, you know, against you like always. But uh, I, I think Gary Bryant Jr. is a guy that that maybe has it in him to hit a couple big plays uh, in this game. The, the defense, you know, the first team defense where, you know, Gary might be, might be going up against, uh, they haven't gotten, you know, really – torched or beat or, or anything like that this spring but uh he strikes me as kind of a guy whose who's play has improved he started out started out the spring really well but uh he's put together kind of some some big plays of late and I could see him I could see him you know taking a, a short pass and and getting loose and using his speed in the secondary a little bit or, or even getting something over the top so so I'll go with him. I think a couple guys for, for people maybe to keep an eye on that have made big plays of late are two backup cornerbacks. And, and now we have to talk about Josh Jackson uh, as a corner instead of a wide receiver, which is where he was last spring when he came in as an early enrollee. And then I think Jaden Williams at corner, he's kind of transformed his body. He looks like a, a true corner. Now he'd always kind of looked like a, a safety, you know, playing corner, but He's had a few, uh, you know, going back to, to Saturday and then on Tuesday, uh, some some nice interceptions in those games. He's playing with a lot of confidence out there at corner, and, and he feels like, you know, you've, you've got Chris Steele, you've got Isaac Taylor Stewart. So the idea is not, you know, hey, how can we how can we bump those guys? I think those guys are, are playing just fine, and, and those are your likely starters at this point. But I like what, what they've got with, some of the depth that at corner, even, you know, Adonis Ote is out and, and Dorian Hewitt's been out. So there's not a ton of guys at corner. They've been kind of stretched with, with numbers a little bit, but I like the way that the two guys behind in, in Jackson and Williams have really stepped up. And then again, not, you know, not that it's spring ball talk, but you've got some, some really potentially elite guys uh, coming in the fall and in, in Sierra Wright and, and Prophet Brown. So Again, you, you've got sort of guys at a lot of different spots that have uh, impressed so far this spring. You hope it sort of translates and, and they can 
put on a little bit of a show on Saturday. It should be a lot of fun. It really should. And, and I think so much of it is going to be, I mean, we'll, we'll cap it here with sort of what we started that it's at this point, you have to assume because they have followed through on what they said they were going to do in the early part of spring, the, the full game, the full contact, that sort of, sort of, uh, again, we, you know, the word physicality and, and that sort of intensity, I think that is ultimately going to be what people talk about. We talked about a lot of individual, you know, performances and position units and that sort of thing, but I'm right with you on if that's what people take away from this in, in a positive sense, I think you can sort of put a bow and say, good job on this first half uh, of spring ball, then it becomes, how do you move that forward? And how do you, as they say, stack days, you know, as, as you go in, into the second part of spring ball. Well, you know, I think that there's a lot of people going to be watching this thing on television. Uh, obviously there'll be 5,000 people there. Uh, they hope uh, to watch it in person, which will fire up the players because when's the last time they played in front of anybody other than their teammates. Arizona, but, right? Last a trickle of, of family at Arizona. A trickle, yeah. A trickle. Uh, so I, I think that they're going to be in a position that they're going to want to play. They're going to want to play hard. And remember a lot of parents maybe won't be able to come to the game and Certainly, let's not discount the fact about recruits. It's a dead period. So the recruits, unless they have their own high school uh, film session to break down, and of course, they, a lot of them could tape the, the Pac-12 network uh, you know, telecast, are going to be watching. And they're going to be watching to see if the things they've been told, they see on the field. So I would say uh, if there's a, 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 a backstory to this, it's about and I think you touched on it, it's about credibility, mm -hmm. saying this is what we're going to do and then go out and do it, no matter whether it's personnel moves or it's uh, violence on defense or whether it's precision on offense, just do what you've been trying to sell and convince people that you're doing. Yeah, agreed. I agreed. It's going to be a fun one, I think, on Saturday. Again, it's going to kick off or, or however, however they're going to get it started, uh, 1 p.m., it's at the Coliseum again. You can watch uh, on Pac-12 Network. And so we will absolutely be there, you know, afterward wrapping everything up. But for our look at the US spring, USC spring game, uh, that's it for us. And we're looking forward to Saturday now. So for Greg Katz, this is Eric McKinney. Thanks for listening to the We Are SC podcast.